Welcome to Just Sayin', a podcast produced by and recorded at Tri-State Worship Center. Now here are your hosts, Allison Gardner and Pastor Terry Wagner. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is the Just Sayin' podcast. My name is Allison Gardner. Hello, Allison Gardner. Hello, I'm here with Pastor Terry Wagner. Hello, Hello everyone. Hello, everyone. Yes, and we are also here with our sound magician, Tyler Staten. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. <laughs> now, you have to decide whether that was really him or did he use my <laughs> hello, everyone, hello, everyone, and magically mm. put it in there. Because he yeah. can do that. Yes. He is the magician. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't pull a rabbit out of my hat. Mm. Not that kind. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, last week we talked, well, let me talk about what we're talking about this season. Why don't first you talk all. about what we're talking about? Yeah, let me, let me Just preface saying. things. Just saying. So we are in season three of the Just Saying podcast, and we're covering the issue of the family. So in our first two episodes, we did something we've never done before. True that. And we split a topic up into two episodes. We did. Which first time for fun. everything. Yeah, yeah. I think it went well, though. It was needed. Um, and we talked about the nuclear family and what, how we define it, why it's important, what is the biblical basis for it. So today, we are expanding on that definition, and we are talking about the father's role in the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting this one to be a spicy episode. Well, <laughs> we're going to find out here in a minute. <laughs> yeah, um, this is a pretty pretty controversial topic, I think. Well, and it's interesting that you said that because, you know, let's go back. We're looking at the issues of family through the lens of Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Not being politically correct, not trying to satisfy identity politics. With that in mind, it should not be no, it controversial, be. right? Yeah, no. I mean, if you're True. a believer in Jesus Christ and yeah. you follow his instruction booklet, then what we're going to say should not be. Right. The, and, and I probably will expound on this in a little bit. But that's the problem, mm-hmm. is that the church has decided in too many cases and eh, I don't think I like that, so let's change it. And that's when we get in trouble. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast this morning, and it's not said, ours. Not not ours. I do listen to ours every time. Don't you know worry. we're rated higher than Stephen yes, Furtick? Yes, yes. Okay, put that little plug in. Um, I was listening to a podcast, and it is a political commentary from a Christian. Uh, pastors and uh, president of a seminary's perspective. And he was talking about how um, the Washington Post and the New York Times were writing about the Christian sex ethic. And they were writing about it in a way that was trying to explain it to culture because it was something that they didn't get. Like it had to be explained. Like this is what evangelicals believe and it's crazy, but this is what it is. And he was trying to like expand on how um, that didn't used to happen. Like it used to just be assumed like this is the way things were, but now it's having to be explained like as an odd thing. Life definitions were biblical. That's what they were. And then when we, we move the target and then all of a sudden when things become objective instead of subjective, then it becomes whatever you want it to be, Right. right? Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And that's not the way, that's not how it's supposed to be. Our truth should be 
based on an object, Jesus Christ. And instead, we have, and I, and I even actually have this in here, believe it or not, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, well, I, I say that, but really it's more like 50 years ago. <laughs> I'm just trying to, like, hide my age. <laughs> uh, this thing called secular humanism mm -hmm. really is what kind of started that and said, listen, it's not about, you know, the Bible. It's not about, it's about you. It's all about you. It's it's all pointed back to you. And and I think that's kind of where we started really veering off course and, and getting to, a, I think, a very confusing place for the world now, mm -hmm. but, but that set aside, yeah. uh, but it, it, you're right. I, I think that we, if we could stay biblical about not just what we're talking about, not just with a family, but if we could just stay biblical about life, how much better this world would be. Mm -hmm. But so I, I wanted to make that distinction that we, we're looking through the lens of scripture. We're not trying to be politically correct. We're not doing identity politics. We're saying this is how it, sh it should be according to our conviction, our conviction. Mm -hmm. and, th and, that's, uh, and that that's what I need to emphasize because there's some people that this is not a conviction. This is just an opinion to some mm -hmm. people. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. It should be a conviction. It should be a core value uh, in your life. And mm -hmm. so hopefully maybe we can expound on some of that here in a minute. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, just keep that in mind as you're listening to this episode. Um, and definitely go back and listen to the first yeah. two episodes because yeah. we really laid a foundation there and it's going to be necessary for the topic we're talking and about And we today. want credit for another download. <laughs> yeah. yeah, give us a good rating <laughs> too. Listen, listen there. as many times as yeah. you want. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's just jump right into it. PT, what is male headship? Well, that's a great question, Allison. <laughs> you need to, like, put in a cue. <gasps> yeah. I, I didn't know that was the question you were going to ask me. <laughs> well, let me, t let me quickly say what it's not, hmm. okay? And I think I can say it real quickly. What it's not is a power trip. Hmm. What it's not is authority. Now, I'm not saying authority and power doesn't have something to do with it, but I think one of the reasons why it gets so easily rejected is because people just see it in that framework. It's like just being an ogre, you know, yeah. male headship means you're going to be an ogre and uh, not that you have a donkey. <laughs> an <laughs> ogre donkey. Donkey. <laughs> hey, I made a reference that you both got. Yay, me. Um, but but I, in, in, I think what it is is in regards to family, very simply is that a husband, the Bible says, the Bible doesn't say the, the husband is the head of the house. That's not what it says, is the head of the wife. But if that's done right, obviously that translates down to the children, the family, if you will, the nuclear family. And, and so the, the husband becomes the head of his home. So male headship is exactly that, is for the men to step up and, and, and take the lead in everything, not especially not just power and just authority. It's not a power trip. It's taking the lead in spiritual life. It's taking the lead in, in setting models and examples for children, uh, not just your children, but for, for your community of faith, for your neighborhood, for them to see and understand what it is to be a godly man is to be able to lead your family. So when we say male headship in regards to 
the biblical nuclear family, it's a husband that's that's basically leading his family. And I, and I want to specifically use the word leading his family because I don't want to make it sound like, you know, that somehow he's he's cracking the whip and you're going to do this. And that's not it at all. It's leading, leading right. your family. And uh, I think the reason why it's been repelled so much in culture and society, and I know we're going to get to that in a minute, is because it is viewed as just a power trip, just, uh, you know, chauvinistic, male chauvinism, that kind of, and it's not. It, well, it really... It, because in, in some cases that's been abused. And I absolutely. think that's why yeah. there's such a negative connotation that, that goes along with it. But I've always said that the best way to lead is by example. So if we're, if we're going to be that person then we, and, and, and ask those things of our family and to follow us, we've got to be willing to do those things ourselves. And I know at first glance it sounds, that sounds ridiculous to the world today. Oh, yeah. It sounds ridiculous. But I would ask you just to do a quick reflection on where we're at today and how we got here. Yeah. We got here because we keep moving further and further away from biblical precepts and principles and, and instead replace those precepts and principles with our own. Um, what was it? Uh, in the beginning, God made man in his image, yeah. and we've been trying to make him in ours ever since. I mean, we've kind of stepped away from, and, and I think that's the problem. And if people would stop and realize every structure, every organization requires a head. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, whether it's the uh, government, church, uh, you know, the head of the church is Christ. Right. Um, the head of government is is who sits in the Oval Office. The the head of of the medical society, you know, we, there has to be someone that's leading the way. That's 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 leading and serving those that are following. And it's really no different at home. I mean, everything needs a head. And and my wife kind of gets troubled when I use this reference. But you know, when 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 it has two heads, it's a freak, right? Yeah. I mean, if you saw somebody walking down the street with two heads. <laughs> You wouldn't, that's not normal, right? Mm-hmm. Something's wrong. Uh, and I think you, you have to say in, in homes, in churches, you, you can't have two heads. Now, again, that's not me saying that, that uh, a husband's supposed to be iron fisting and, and, you know, being the ruler and that kind of, that's, we'll, we'll talk about that more here in a minute. But just understand that everything has to have a head. When you have two heads, Normally, what's going to happen is it's going to become. I'm using big word now. You ready? You ready? You ready? Here we go. Bifurcated. Ooh. I've also heard bifurcated. Well, you heard wrong. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll note that in my head for next time. <laughs> Bifur or bifurcated? Uh, either one. Of course, it depends on which end of the county you're from. True. True. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, what it's not power and authority. What it is is leading by example serving your family. Hmm. Yeah. Amen. I agree. Uh, there, it, It's just the structure of life that God has set up for us. Um, just the instructions that he's given us in the structure of what our family should be when it comes down to it. Yep. So let's get to the important stuff. What is the biblical basis for this? Why do we... Why do we espouse this doctrine? Um, now what, who's using big words? <laughs> What's our foundation for I've this? always heard it espouse. Espouse. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, 
there, there's plenty of biblical text, and we don't, we r- truly don't have time because I mean, literally hundreds right. of, yeah. of texts. But let's just look at a few. Genesis chapter three, verse sixteen: mm-hmm. The fall of man has already happened, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a couple of weeks ago I even mentioned there's only four chapters in the Bible where sin doesn't exist, and that's the first couple chapters of Genesis, a couple chapters in the Revelation of Christ. So sin has happened, the fall has happened. Adam and Eve have been banned from the garden. And, and God says to the woman, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Again, don't hear that and, and think that, that we're saying uh, uh, ogre, meanie, you know, power hungry. That's not what I'm talking about. But we're talking about male head, headship. And that's, I, I think that's where it started. Uh, was that that God said that that the husband would rule. Now, some would say that's just Old Testament. You know, we're in the dispensation of grace and things have changed. So let me just read a couple New Testament scriptures and then we can can espouse. uh, Espouse. Okay, sorry, whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 1 Corinthians 11, 13. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every wife is her husband, mm-hmm. and the head of Christ is God. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to every structure has a head, has somebody that's in charge, right? Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 23. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, those of you that just getting ready to turn us off, just wait. <laughs> I know that submit has become a cuss word, and, and it's really not. So just hang in there for a second. Submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its Savior. The last one, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither is there slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And literally there are hundreds more scriptures that I could give you, but the biblical mandate, the biblical precept for male headship is all over the Bible, not just for the family, but but for every structure has to have a head. Christ the head of the church. God is the head of Christ. A man should be the head of his wife. I, I mean, you just, it, it can go on and on and on. And so uh, I think for anybody to say or try to dispute that it's not a biblical uh, concept is is just missing the point somewhere. They're not reading it hmm. right because it's it is all over. The fingerprint of male headship is is all over the Word of God. Hmm. I would argue that um, this was instilled before the fall. Okay. Um, because in First Timothy two, you don't have to argue. Just go ahead. <laughs> well, I would just put it out there. I'll put it out there. First <laughs> Timothy two says. Um, Verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And Paul's reasoning here is, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So um, I think we see headship even before the fall because Adam was formed first. Mm -hmm. And I think that the headship of the family was established even before the fall. Mm-hmm. So we can call it good. It's not a product of well, No, and I sin. didn't want to make it sound and I, like And I, I know you, okay. you weren't right. saying that, but I wanted to no, just make you, that clear. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Um, and also, I think it's significant to point out that 
we view um, Adam as our federal head. Adam is the representative of humanity uh, when he sinned in the garden. It wasn't Eve's sin that was passed down to the rest of us in the garden. It was Adam's. Adam took the responsibility for the sin of humanity. Right. Um, I, what, what is the passage? Is it, it's somewhere in Romans that it talks about, we are no longer under Adam, but we're right. under Christ. Uh, one sand, we all sand. Yes. Christ uh, so, died for all of that. And, and, and Adam could have stopped it, you know, and not participated in the mm-hmm. sin, right? When Eve took the, whatever it was, the fruit, we say it was an apple. I don't know if we really know what it was and handed it to him and he went ahead and ate it. He could have stopped right there and said, no, we're not doing this. Yeah. Right. And and I don't know what that what the ramification of that would have been, but uh, it, I'm thinking it could have been different than it is if Adam, who did, you know, he had to accept the and own the responsibility and and the accountability of the sin, uh, because he should have been in, in charge of his of his wife. He should have been there to prevent that from happening. And, yeah. Uh, and, and unfortunately, was not there. But. Uh, I, I agree with you. I'm, I wouldn't. I'm not going to disagree that it, that it was. It's definitely not as the result of sin. It was there before, um, but that was the scripture where it actually said in Genesis that uh, that the man would be uh, over the woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it says I found the scripture in uh, Romans five. Uh, it talks about um, Adam being our federal head, but now we are. Um, alive in Christ. And Mm -hmm. so we're under Christ's headship, which means he has bestowed his righteousness upon us. So we're no longer under Adam, uh, under the curse of death, but Mm -hmm. we've received the gift of eternal life. So I think the headship there was established before the fall in creation. And that's where we find uh, most of our foundation for this. But also I think we see that scripture passage that you gave was it from Genesis 3? Yeah, um, 16. Yeah, the curse on Eve, we see that playing out today now more than ever. Mm-hmm. It says that uh, we, the woman will desire to rule over her husband. Mm-hmm. And we see that all around us. This is why this is such a controversial issue. It's because it's a part of our curse. We do not want to submit to this good and perfect design for the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we, we see that playing out today. Well, well, not just to the family, but of course, I think born into sinful nature causes us to want to resist any kind of um, structure, any kind. We, we rebel against mm-hmm. any kind of, of authority. Yeah, uh, holiness, I mean, yeah, period. Just, yeah. That, that, I think we're born that way. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I know that's, pro- that's a topic for another podcast, but uh, I, I think that that's part of the problem as well is that simple fact that we have this. Uh, ingrained desire almost to uh, to not do good. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it's kind of in there. We've that's when we have to become disciplined enough and structured enough to submit ourselves, yield ourselves, surrender ourselves to God's instruction mm-hmm. and, and do it His way. Yeah, and I think we also see um, evidence for headship. I know we see evidence for headship in. Christ uh, in the church's submission to Christ. The church is the church. We talked about this in uh, the previous episode, but the church uh, is the bride of Christ. And so you mentioned that passage from Ephesians, Mm -hmm. the church submits to Christ just as the woman submits to her husband. Mm -hmm. So this marriage structure is intended to be 
an allegory, I think is the correct word, mm. for Christ and his relationship right. to the church. Right. So it's intended to be this beautiful symbol yeah. of the headship of Christ. Nobody goes to a, a, a wedding ceremony and goes, yuck. Yeah. <laughs> that was awful. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, they should have never done that. Yes. They, but you see that. And, and, I've been and, to some strange weddings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've performed some strange <laughs> weddings. Um, but, but and I'm getting ahead of myself here. Mm-hmm. And so when we get to the question that I had this particular answer, I'll have to come up with something else. Um, why, do I, why do I, I'll just use myself as an example. Why do I submit to Christ? I submit to Christ because I know how much he loves me. Mm-hmm. Right? He loves me so much. He died for me. And if we could ever understand that concept, not just vertically, but if we could understand it horizontally, you know, that especially with, with wives and husbands, you know, why do I love Christ? Because I know how much he loves me. He loves me enough he'll die for me. Why would, why would anyone yield to, to someone else, a spouse? It's going to be because you, you have to know how much they love you. Now, again, that puts the onus on a husband mm-hmm. to love his wife as Christ loved the church, Right. It doesn't say love your wife if. Mm-hmm. Right. It just says you're to love your wife as, well, she doesn't submit to me. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say husbands, love your wives as long as they're submitting to you. It yeah. doesn't say wives, submit mm-hmm. to your husbands as long as they're loving you. Right. Yeah, and right? it also doesn't say husbands, make sure your wives are submitting right. to you. It <laughs> yeah. says wives, make sure you're submitting to your husbands. Right. Yes. And it doesn't say wives, make sure your husbands are loving you. Right. It says husbands, make sure you're everybody's loving your Everybody's got their responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody needs everybody's to got, mind their own business. Everybody's got their role. And a roll's a roll. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and a toe was a toe. And without no toes, we don't eat no rolls. There you go. Sorry. You don't it's know okay. what that one's from. I have no idea yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. We'll tell you about that some other time. Oh, man. But, yeah, I also wanted to note that we see biblical submission and headship in the person Jesus Christ because in the garden— what was Jesus' prayer? It was, take this cup from me, if possible, but not my will, but yours be done. Right. Yeah. Jesus, um, we're talking about the Trinity here. Jesus is God, uh, but he submitted to the Father's will mm-hmm. in order to um, die on the cross. Right. It, it wasn't that Jesus was um, less powerful than, than God the Father. They're equal right. in value. But Jesus submitted to his father's authority. And, and and just in the wording of that prayer tells us that he didn't have to do it, right? It's a if, if it but not my will, your will your will be done. In other words, he I think that Jesus being hundred percent God, hundred percent man, I mean, he could have chosen not to, but he he chose instead to submit to the Father, to submit to that ruling person over, over him basically yeah. and uh, and and I think that again that's a great lesson for some of us to learn is that there's always a choice out there and unfortunately it seems as though in our world today there's a lot more of the wrong choices being made than the right one but the right one is to say I want to yield to surrender to submit to the headship of Christ that's over us mm-hmm. you know all of us uh, but instead we we just like to rebel and 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 have our own will. You know, like when, when Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. We say, not your will, but my, my will, will be done. You know, my will be done, your will be gone, Lord, because I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. And and for anybody to tell me different, just like them three jokers on a podcast telling me what it is to have male <laughs> headship in my world, 
you don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. You, you, know, you don't understand. You don't know. Listen, we're doing this from a biblical perspective. And, and, and if we could all get on board with it, the world would be a better place. Your home would be a better home. Your children would have a greater impact in the world because they've been, uh, you've invested into them models and examples and raised them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord and all the other things the Bible tells us to do and the world would be a better place. But instead, we just have this, what I think is, and I don't know if anybody else agrees, I think original sin in the garden, oh, yeah. selfishness, oh, yeah. period. I want my way, and I don't care about anything else. Yeah. And and even in marriage, that becomes a problem. Yeah. So, all right, I, I, I went way, way, <laughs> way out of the way to answer that question. No, so, I, think, I think it was good, though, because we provided a very broad... Uh, range of answers for that, and it's clear through Scripture yeah, that this is biblical. All backed up by Scripture. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, so, uh, let's get practical about this. What is a man's primary role as father and husband? Well, and we just said some of it, so I'll just breeze through it. But you know, as a husband, you know, you love your wife as Christ loved the church. Uh, not sometimes, not if, uh, not when it feels right. A husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And and this is where a lot of the problems get their genesis from, is when people decide, I'll do what I'm supposed to do when you do what you're supposed to do. And that's not what it says. And, and so uh, I will if you will, but yet the golden rule says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that principle, it really expound, expands into what we're talking about here. It's not do unto others before they do unto you. It's not do unto others as they are doing unto you. It's to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so you have a responsibility as a, as a husband, as a father, um, you know, to love your, love your wife as Christ loved the church. As a father, my responsibility, I believe biblically, is to be a good protector and a good provider as well as a good role model to my children. Um, Ephesians 6, 4, you fathers don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training admonition of the Lord. So think if we had a world where fathers were present, one, and raised their children like that, two. I mean, how, how awesome it would be. I, I think you, you look around and you see young people today, and, and listen, if you're a young person that's following Christ and you're in love with the Lord and you're doing it, God bless you. But more times than not, there's this lack of respect uh, in, in our world. And I, again, I think that's handed down from parents to this next generation. Um, there's a lack of respect. There's, there's not really any uh, respect for authority, for, right. for parental guidance. There's just, I mean, even at the youngest of young ages, I see and, and have to deal with sometimes uh, families that are so dysfunctional because they're not doing it the way that, that it's supposed to be set up. So I think that role of a father and a husband, be present, love your wife as Christ loved the church, bring your children up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, and be a good role model. I think that's your responsibility to do that. And as a Christian husband and as a Christian father, you should be the spiritual leader in your home. Mm. You should be the spiritual leader in your home. Uh, you know, probably wouldn't be a church if it weren't for women. So I'm not here to uh, say that, that that hasn't been an important part of the, of the church over the years because men have not 
they've abdicated their role. Yeah. And they've stepped. I you hear that abdicated. <laughs> I was watching The Crown, and we're gonna have to release one of the a kings, one of the kings dictionary abdicated. with yeah. this episode. Uh. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. I like that. Um, we could come up with some like Terryisms and, and Allisonisms, um, but you know, fathers that have stepped away from that. And just because I said that I didn't think there would be a church of war for women, that doesn't exempt men from their responsibility. Right, right. You know, we still have to do that. It's because they've exempted themselves right. that, that that you say that in the first place. It should be the spiritual leader in the house. And, and again, that's that's not, I don't think being chauvinistic, I don't think that's, that's being, uh, you know, uh, uh, wrong to to the female gender. I think that that's the way that God said, let's do it this way. And when we do it his way, it usually works out good. And when we don't, look around. You know, you say, well, no, we're not, we're not going to practice uh, male headship in our home because we've moved into the 21st century. Well, how's that working for you? You know, it's, it's, it's probably not working very well because over the over the course and the lifetime of relationships and families and, and life, God's way is always the right way. I mean, could there be a short season where, you know, you could be outside of what God's plan is and it seemed to be working out all right? Sure. I mean, even the Bible talks about you right. know, sin yeah. can be fun for a season, but eventually what you're going to see is God's way is the right way. Yeah. And that's and that's what we're trying to, to throw out there. Mm-hmm. So, And any idea that has just sort of been contradicted over time or evolved or progressed over time is not a solid foundation to stand on. If we are not relying on male headship because it's outdated, I mean, are any of your ideas going to be going to be able to withstand the future? Because this, the reason we stand on scripture is because it never changes. This is a foundation that we've had since the beginning of time. Like we said, it was established at the beginning uh, of the world. Mm -hmm. So this is this is not some sort of concept that we've come up with or that can be altered. It's something that we know stands firm. Amen. Yeah. Well said, Allison. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think that fathers function as uh, the the representative of the family. Um, Well, he should be Christ. Yes. Right, to his family. Right. He should be Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is our prophet, priest, and king. And I think the father, um, in, a, in a very lesser um, mirror of Jesus, mm-hmm. functions as the prophet and priest and king of his family, um, just as a reflection of Jesus. But I know, I, I just want to be clear about this, and I don't think that you were saying that at all, and I think you touched on that. Women should study theology. Oh, absolutely. I think that we've we've yeah. established that by now. Yeah. That does not mean that wives are to neglect uh, the study of the Word of God no. just because the husband is a spiritual no. leader. No, well, and, and if the husband is a spiritual leader, he should be encouraging yeah. that, right? Yeah. And if And if the husband has stepped away from that role, then a wife needs to step up and, and, and be that, you know, study the, the theology and, and, and be able to... to Carry the carry the role that you have to. You know, I have I have uh, families that come, husbands and wives come for counseling. Uh, one spouse is in church, the other one's not, and obviously that's it's not going to work. You got you got to get both of you going. And one spouse said, "Well, you know, I want to come, but I can't get them to come." And I was like, "You come anyway, whether it's the husband or the wife. You come anyway. 
and, and you know, you you do that, and 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 in hopes that your your persistence will be a catalyst then to to the other person's uh, decision to jump in and do the right thing. But absolutely, I th I think that, um, that that women ought to have a, a good grasp on biblical knowledge and theology and 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 all the absolutely mm -hmm. yes yeah. yes. Um. And I think we'll work. They should be like Alice. <laughs> no. You should be like Christ. <laughs> mm, there she goes. Now, uh, let me just clarify one thing real quick. When I said, you know, husbands should be the Christ for their family, mm -hmm. we are in no way <laughs> saying that that we can all be little gods. No, okay? no, so no, just no, no, scratch no, no, that. no, 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 no. That's another belief no, system. No, 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 no. That's not ours. Yeah. Just wanted no. everybody to know that. <laughs> yes. Thank you for that. Okay. We right. we do not espouse that no. whatsoever. I don't have any special glasses to interpret <laughs> any special plates no. that were found on the backside of a hill in yeah. the Catskills. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We're, we're not about that here. <laughs> Um, so I would like to hear your, both of your thoughts on this because you are both leaders of families and, um, yeah, shocking. <laughs> I know. What? But how does this practice carry over into the day-to-day -day lives of marriage and family living? Do you want it, Tyler? <laughs> you go ahead. <laughs> Jump in whenever you're ready, okay? Uh, how does it carry over into the practice of day-to-day -day life in marriage? Uh, and, and I probably expanded that just a little bit. But as husbands and fathers, uh, I think, for, and I'm going to just speak out of my own experience, mm -hmm. that leadership is a servanthood position in the church, uh, I think even in business, in school, in, and especially in my, again, out of my experience in the home, if I want my wife and my children to view me as the head of the home, I think it's the result of how I serve them. Again, Christ is the head of the church, but he served the church. And the, the day before, the night before, the worst day of his life, right? He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's going to die. He knows it. And what does he do? Washes the disciples' feet. What does that do for them? Elevates him. He, I mean, not that he wasn't already in a position of where they saw him at, but it just elevates him. I think uh, rather than acting like some of the kings of old and just sitting back in your recliner and just waiting for everybody to come and wait on you, as a, as a spiritual leader of your home as a Christian father and husband. I think leadership is servanthood. You learn to serve uh, your family. I, again, speaking for myself, and I have been ridiculed for this. And if you and you guys can feel free to ridicule me all you want. Uh, I've been ridiculed because I want to serve my wife because I know what makes her happy. And I want to do the things to make my, my wife happy. And because I do those things, then she understands my love for her. And when she understands my love for her, she doesn't have a problem yielding to my leadership, to my headship. Hmm. Same way it is with Christ, right? I mean, again, I, I surrender and yield and submit to Christ because I know how much he loves me. He died for me. Every day he does things that serve me. He, he, he gives me salvation. He gives me grace. He gives me mercy. He, he prompts me through the power of the Holy Spirit to, uh, you know, to be encouraged at times. And, and so uh, I want my children to have that kind of foundation. I, I grew up in a home where that wasn't there. I'm not saying my dad wasn't a Christian. He was, but he, he, my dad was the one, and it's kind of maybe unfair because my dad had a disability, but he was, he waited to be served. Hmm. 
Uh, I didn't want to be that way. I want my kids to have a spiritual foundation. I want them to see what it is for the leader to serve. Um, my particular style of serving here at the church, as a pastor of the church, I want to serve this congregation. I don't expect, and this, probably, this probably will get me some, it's T-W-A-G-N-R, uh, <laughs> T-Wagner, 977-gmail.com. I don't want anybody to carry my Bible. I don't need anybody to wipe the sweat from my brow. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. <laughs> um, who magically just... <laughs> but I want, I want to serve the people that I'm leading here at Tri-State Worship Center. I want to serve my family. And in serving my family, I think that elevates me um, you know, to, to headship, to leadership. And then when you take that and combine it with Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it heartily as under the Lord. I want to be the best servant leader I can be at, to the church, to my family, to this community, uh, you know, wherever it is that God gives me the opportunity to do that. So I think it carries over in the day-to-day -day marriage when husbands and fathers understand that to lead is not to lead by, by power and authority and who's in charge. It's to lead by example and to lead by servanthood, uh, by serving your family. That doesn't mean... You know that 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 you just let your wife sit down and you're going to do all. No, it just but it's good for you to come alongside of her, right? And and help do things, show her the servanthood in you, which then helps her to see you more as a leader, not just as a parasite. You know, mm -hmm. parasites are just takers, right? And you don't want to be that. Husband doesn't want to be that. Be a giver. Be be one who who attempts to give to that that dynamic of leadership by serving. I agree. I think it, it does. There does have to be a good balance there, especially husband and wife, um, that where your example is is sort of a an encourager to them to even have that same type of mentality. But also, see, I'm going to use the illustration of of dinner time um, to kind of paint the picture. Serve first, mm -hmm. right? I cook dinner. I serve my family, right? I, I've I've led by example. But then there's also an expectation that once dinner is done, now it's your turn. You're going to take your plate into the kitchen because mm -hmm. the family unit is a team, mm -hmm. right? As a as a par as a parental unit, I'm I'm leading by example. But then I'm also there's a level of expectation there too, you know. And you're challenging your kids to be responsible and to to learn these traits and these characteristics of a, of a person that you hope they become one day, right? Yeah. And so that's that's how I see the. <laughs> dinner time is, I think, a perfect example of how you can adapt that to your everyday life um, in any situation, not just dinner, but serve first, lead by example, and in that way, demonstrating how mm -hmm. you should be, and then also uh, let there be known that there's a level of expectation there for, for them to sort of take on their responsibilities and grow as an individual and as a, a person. Right. And I, I do think it's, it's crucial for kids to see that, for young people to see that. You know, to have a model, have a good example to, to live by. You know, when Holly was, uh, Holly's first date was me. <laughs> At 16, I took her out to show her how she was to be treated and told her, anytime you're out with somebody and they don't treat you like this, you call me. Yeah. I'll be right there. Uh, when Holly was younger, uh, I never hesitated a second to, uh, you know, walk through the mall parking lot holding hands and skipping with her. Yeah. You know, now some people say, well, that's a sign of being weak. No, I, I want her to know, you know, what it is to, to have a, a father. Yeah. And, and eventually for her, a husband, 
you know, that, that cares about, concerned about. And I think the problem in, in today's world is that, that uh, we have latchkey kids, you know, that don't have the parent that's in front of them and, and showing them and teaching them and modeling for them. And if you're going to have male headship in the home, and, and in my opinion and in my experience, that male headship coming as the result of being a servant leader, that's going to pass down through generations and, and truly can just change the dynamic of your family. But the world doesn't want that. The, the world doesn't want to do it that way. They don't want to see that. They don't want the young people to, you know, it's, it's look out for yourself, do your own yeah. thing. You don't have to submit Choose to anybody. Choose who you want to be. Yeah. And uh, and I think that, that that is outside of the bounds of what God wants and then leads to trouble. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that that was somewhere near an answer for you, yeah. Allison. Yeah. So I want to I wanna go over uh, this question uh, real quick while we still have time. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you give me the evil eye when you said that? <laughs> I did not. Um, so why do we, and I'm saying we, I think as in culture, really, uh, why do we bristle at the terms headship and submission? Well, I think it's because we're born into a sinful nature that's continually trying to rebel. You know, it's it's that nature it's automatic to, to rebel against what you're being told to do or, or to rebel against what is different than what you want. That's why we discipline children. You discipline children because you, you say to them, don't touch that. They touch it. Maybe it's a hot stove. They get burnt. And you say, okay, look, that's why I did not want you to touch it. It's, it's, I call it the wet paint syndrome. You see a sign that says wet paint. It's, it's your nature. You want to touch that. Like it says it's wet paint. I don't care. I got to touch that. It's, you know, <laughs> I think that's what, that's what's in us. Um, but that's also why we discipline them. Right. To, and so I think culture and society kind of bristles or, or kind of, uh, is, is repelled by that is because it's, it's nature. Yeah. You know, and we've got to learn to discipline that. We've got to learn to bring that into uh, subjection to the Lord, under submission to the Lord. Let me share one quick story, and I know we're getting short on time. There was a young lady in the youth group when I was a youth pastor 500 years ago in Indianapolis, <laughs> um, straight-A student, straight-A student till her senior year of high school. Second, the last semester of her senior year of high school, her grades fell. I mean, she went from straight-A her whole career to Ds and Fs. And of course, who does the parents call? Youth pastor. You got you got to find out what's going on. What's it? So I, I'm trying to hurry. So I go to the house, sit down with the girl and her parents. What's up? And she's she's just real evasive. Never. And I, and I said, okay, mom and dad, would you care to step in the kitchen? They go in the kitchen. I was I said, Kim. I'm not, I don't know if that was her real name or not. Uh, Kim, what you know? What's up? She goes, I don't know. And finally, I said, Do you have homework assignments? She said, Yes. I said, Do you turn them in? She said, no. And I said, wait a minute. You get the homework, but you're not turning it in. Why aren't you turning it in? She said, because the teacher said I had to. Mm. That is, to me, perfect example of this nature that I don't, and, and see what I told her was, until Jesus comes back, you're always going to be told to do something yeah. by somebody, mm-hmm. whether it's your boss, you know, or your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And but yet there's this inward nature that is constantly working against the things of God. Mm-hmm. And it never I wish I could be encouraging here, but it never ends. 
It is something that you will battle till Jesus comes back. Uh, as a pastor, I, you know, I have those voices that try to catch my attention and distract me and deter me. Uh, but in the end, it's about bringing ourselves into submission to Christ and to discipline ourselves to the things of Christ. And I think that's why it bristles society. I think that's why it rubs society is because society is the other end of the continuum. There's another big word for everybody. Uh, it's, it's over there saying, you know, do, do what you want, do what makes you feel good. It's all right. And then you have the God side, the spiritual side that's saying, you know, no. And, and to bring this kind of full circle, almost time to quit, mm-hmm. bring it full circle. It goes to that two headed thing I was talking about a while ago. Yeah. You got you got one head over here going, no, let's go do this. It's wrong. And then you have this other one said, no, let's go do this. It's right. You got the angel on one shoulder and the <laughs> exactly. devil on the That's other. That's it. And, and, and it's, you, you have to, whichever one you feed, the Bible says, whichever one you feed, that's the one you're going to listen to. Mm-hmm. So we have to have parents, a father that is, has that male headship that will be the spiritual example to help their kids understand that, listen, this is going to be a battle your whole life, and you need to hear that, that angel voice, that good voice, and not give in to the other. And so, uh, but I think that's why society re- rebels against it so much. Uh, we're being told that we're autonomous beings, that we're responsible for our own fun and our own good, told to look out for yourself. And then you add to that, connect to that, the whole secular humanism thing, which, you know, the basic definition of secular humanism is the belief that humanity is capable of morality and self-fulfillment without belief in God. That's what secular humanism is, that I can be morally right and I can have self-fulfillment without God. I'm here to tell you that is impossible. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that. And, and we get in trouble when we try to do that Yeah. because it leads us down paths that, that are not going to end well. Worshiping creation rather yeah. than creator. The creator. <sighs> yeah. Good one. Throwing some of that Romans knowledge at you. Mm. But you I ha- just like the, the sorry. I don't no, you're it. fine. You're fine. The, the girl with the homework. Yeah. You think that you're winning. Yeah. You're sticking it to right. that person. But really, you're, yeah. all you're doing is hurting yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Think about, you know, the potential scholarships yeah. or, or letters of offer to come to such such college yeah, yeah. that could have been ruined. Now, you know the good the end the good end of her story was is that that next semester or that next nine week grading period she picked them all right back up. Yeah. But just to know that you're doing it because some you're not doing it because someone told you you had to do it, and that somehow he's like, yeah, yeah, stick it to the big guy, <laughs> yeah, and you're not. And it's the same you're, way. Same you're, way you're with, hurting yourself in, in life and in choosing, you know, self uh, over God and His will. Yeah. In the end, you're only going to hurt yourself. Yeah. First yeah. um, Corinthians two fourteen says. Uh, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. So the reason why this does not make sense to the rest of the world is because it was instituted by God. Yep. It's because we have unregenerate people who hate holiness, who yeah. love who love their sin. Um, and I think what we're really trying to emphasize here is when we submit to the authority of God's word and thereby submit to the authority of male headship and uh, female submission to that, we find true um, 
true and godly obedience mm-hmm. and joy in that. Yeah. Um, and I think if we can get past the lens that the world and culture and sin, it's sin yeah. that has put on us to view what is good as bad and what is bad as good. If we can get past that, we can see that God has instituted this for a reason yeah. and it's for our good. It's not a bad thing. It's, right. it's I, not I, a bad I, thing. I wish, and I know we have to quit. I wish that there was an app for that, right? <laughs> I mean, we have an app that you can speak into and it'll translate into any language yeah, yeah. you want, right? Wouldn't it be nice if we had an app that would say, uh, do you think it would be okay for me to be disobedient to my parents? <laughs> yeah. And the app says, sorry, that, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to be good for well, you. Well, we do have it. We do have we it. We do have Open it. up your Bible. <laughs> mm. There's the Bible app. All right. Drop your mic. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, I, 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 there was a lot of different directions I wanted to take this, but I kind of refrained because next week we're going to be talking about um, the women's role in the family. And so we're going to dive even deeper into these issues. So don't worry. We're not done yet. <laughs> There's still a lot you can argue with us about. So much more. <laughs> but, um, yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, send us in your questions. Uh or your hate mail, you know, we'll take it. We'll T- take it. T-W-A-G-N-A-R-T-Wagner, 977 at gmail.com. Gmail.com, yeah. All right, well, we love you guys, and we will see you next week. See you next time.